I want to say that it's good to see everybody back with us again. Hopefully we'll have something to say this afternoon that you might be able to use as you go along and might accidentally even keep you awake a little bit. I'm kind of like uh, Bud Jones and some of the other evangelists I've been around. They uh, tell me they don't mind people sleeping. They just like to see you put up a little bit of a fight before you just give in to it. So we'll kind of work with that program a little bit this afternoon. It's good to be here and hopefully we'll have something to say that you can use. In the book of Colossians, the third chapter, I want to talk with you about a few verses here that I think are important to us and some things to, to consider. In verse number one, it says, If you be risen with, if ye then be risen with Christ, set your, set, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Used to not have to have that. If you be risen with Christ, you know, there are some things in life you just can't pick. You don't get to choose. You know, we've got six grandkids now, and the last one that was born, about two weeks old. And one thing I love to do, you got all the family around, and I'm holding this little one, and they're squalling like you know they do. And so I'm holding this little one, it starts to cry, and I start going, no, really, we are your family. And then it'll cry louder and go, no, all of them are kin to you, and just squall, you know. You can't pick your relatives. That's the whole point to that deal. And you can't pick family. You're born where you are, and you just happen to be that way, and that's, that's the way it is. Some things you can pick. You know, uh, I, I know this one. Bev and I talked about we're going to sell the place, and we're going to. One thing we never did got to do, we never got to live in an apartment our whole lives. And we always wanted to live in an apartment. Thought that'd be so cool to live in an apartment, you know. And so we're going to sell the place, and we're going to move into an apartment. And my oldest son comes to me and goes, You do realize <laughs> that you don't get to pick your neighbors. <laughs> And you do realize that when you've got trash, you just can't go out the back door and burn it. You do realize that, don't you? You know, there's some things you can't, some things you do get to choose. You know, you can choose what kind of person you want to be. You can choose whether you want to serve God or not. Now, let me tell you one thing that I am totally convinced of, that I have bought into 110%. People do what they really want to do. This stuff of we have to or we're doing things and we, you know, most of the time people do what they really want to do. Years ago, I was in the cookware business and we sold cookware. And I'd get this young couple in front of me and we'd, do, we'd done the demonstration and this young lady just loved that cookware. She wanted it. She, she, just, she would just die to get that and she would just be so happy if her husband would buy it for her. And I would have been so happy if her husband would buy it for her. But then he'd ask me how much it is, and I would tell him he'd grab his heart and nearly fall out of his chair. And he'd go, we can't afford that. We're not going to buy no pots and pans and get... It went from cookware to pots and pans. And we're not going to give that for that. You just can't do that. And the next week, I'd see him with a new bass boat. All new fishing gear hanging out of it and a pickup to pull it with. I figured that fish cost him about $900 a pound <laughs> by the time he's done. Well, what's the deal? He didn't have the money for the cookware, but he bought a bass boat and a truck and all the equipment, the depth finder, the sonar, all that stuff. You know what? He didn't want that cookware. He wanted that bass boat. And so that became not a want, but a need. We need that. I can feed my family with it. I, I have people tell me all the time, and we go over in the, the southeast, and they say, Marlon, people don't have as much money over here as y'all do in Texas. I go, really? Yeah, that's why we got to raise a garden. And then they'll pull a $25,000 Kubota that they're going to plow it with. You know, beans are three cans for a dollar, boys. 
You can buy a lot of beans for that kabota. You see, the truth is he wants to raise that garden and we can justify that. People do what they want to do. Now, you may not believe this, but people are going to be lost on judgment day because that's really what they wanted to do. They would rather do that than do what you do and try to serve God, try to follow the word. You're here tonight or this afternoon because that's what you really want to do. You don't have to be here. You could be somewhere else. There's a lot of other things you could be doing this at, trust me on this one, this afternoon other than being here listening to me, singing these songs and praying. You've chosen the better part, and I'm glad you did. But make no mistake about it. People are here because they want to be, and people are not here because they don't want to be. Now, I know there's exceptions to every rule. You know, when Paul was in prison, he really wanted to be with the brethren. When people are sick and in hospitals, I understand they don't want to be there. I know that. But, you know, for the most part, those of us that are healthy and can do, we do what we want to do. I've had people tell me, go, oh, Marvin, we're just so broke. We ain't got no money. It's just so desperate around here. And I feel sorry for folks like that. I really do. And then they'll load up the four kids into the old <laughs> minivan and go to Six Flags where you pay $30 a head, which is 180 bucks if you do the math, to get in the door. That's the, the privilege of buying a $5 Coke and a $10 hamburger that they're going to make you throw up anyway. <laughs> what happened to we're broke and you just spent $300 going Six Flags? Because I really wanted to go. There are things we can choose and things we can't. You know what? You got a choice about the judgment. But there's going to come a day you don't have a choice. Hebrews 9.27 is appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment. Now you can wait until that happens and you won't have any choice about that. God will take care of it. But we're all going to stand before our God and we're going to face God. And there is going to be a judgment. But you could choose to do it now. 1 John chapter 1 tells us that if we confess our faults to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us all our unrighteousness. And the blood of his son Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. You can take care of that now. You can become a Christian now. You can obey the gospel and take care of it. Have you ever wondered what a Christian's going to give account of on judgment day? Some people got the weird idea that we're going to stand before God. He's going to go, Marlon, July the 8th, 1980, why did you do that? You know what I'm going to do? Can you make it multiple choice? <laughs> I mean, can you give me a hint? Folks, I don't really remember everything I did yesterday, let alone back in July of 1980. I don't really remember what I was going on with back then. Do you? My youngest daughter says it's amazing that you can remember Bible verses, but you don't remember what breakfast was. <laughs> and we do worry about that. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 tells you what a Christian is going to give account of. God says, I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I wish people worked that way. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. When the Lord takes care of your sin, when you obey the gospel and you're baptized for the remission of sin, it doesn't matter what you did in the past. God takes care of it. And you're a Christian and you ask God to forgive you. 
Your sins and iniquities, well, I remember no more. He's not going to bring it back up. You can choose to take care of that. Or you can wait on judgment day and God will take care of it. We can choose to do that. Every now and then I, I got an article that I keep in, in my briefcase I think is interesting. You ever heard of Jeffrey Dahmer? You know, he was a mass murderer and a cannibal. But I got a letter about a lady that put him in contact with a preacher from the church. And he was baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of sins shortly before he was killed and died. Do you think you'll be in heaven with Jeffrey? He killed them little boys and he ate them. Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more, even Jeffrey's. What sin is too great for God to take care of? What sin will the blood of Jesus not cleanse? Well, I know they talk about the unpardonable one in Matthew 12. I doubt you can do that today. What have we done that God can't take care of? God's in the forgiving business. You know, the Lord says, do I have any pleasure that the wicked should die? So you can take care of that now. You can decide to obey the gospel. You can decide to confess your faults to the Lord. And you walk out. Your sins and iniquities will he remember no more. Or you can wait till judgment day. I wish I had a better example to give you, but I don't. Do you remember the old oil, uh, Fram oil filter commercial? They would show this kid with this hot rod. And man, he's polishing the paint on it. And I mean, it's spotless and all that. And then it goes to the front, and the mechanic's got the hood off of it. He's pulling the motor out of it. And apparently the guy didn't use a Fram oil filter because that's probably what rent that motor, you know. And the old mechanic looks up and goes, you can pay me now, $4.95, or you can pay me later, and he pulls the motor out. <laughs> and that's kind of the way the Lord is. I wish I had a better example, but I don't. You can take care of it now. You can pay for it now. Or you can pay for it later. And later is going to be a lot more expensive. What about the resurrection? The Bible says the hour is coming which all that are in the graves will hear his voice. And they shall come forth. They that have done good to the resurrection of life. And they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. There's going to come a day when all that are in the graves hear the voice of God and will come forth. You know, you're not going to get a choice in that. It doesn't matter whether somebody believes in God or not. When God calls, we're, we're going to answer that call. And that resurrection, everybody's going to get to partake in. They that have done good to the resurrection of life and they that have done evil to the resurrection of damnation. But it's coming. And you don't get a choice in that. But you can choose to be resurrected with Christ now. Buried with Him in baptism... Raised to walk in the newness of life. You know, when you're baptized, there's a death that takes place. And that old man stays in the grave. The watery grave. That's where they get that saying, the watery grave of baptism. Because there's a death and a burial there. And the old man dies there. And the new creature with new ways of thinking comes forth. Doesn't mean he's sinless. But it means he thinks different. He's a new creature in Christ. Because he chose to partake in that resurrection. He's risen with Christ. If you therefore be risen with Christ, 
you've partaken in the death, burial, and resurrection, here's what you're going to do. Have you done that? The judgment's coming and the resurrection's coming. And you get to take part in that. You won't have a choice. Just like picking your relatives and picking your neighbors. Or you can choose to do it now and take care of it. But we will be part of it either way. And you're going to do what you really want to do. Don't kid yourself. And if you decide to become a Christian and serve God, it's because you chose to. If you decide to walk away, it's because you chose to. We do what we want to do. Seek those things that are above. Set your affections on things above and not on the earth. Matthew 6, 19 to 21 tells us where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. It warns us about laying up treasures on the earth where moss and rust, thieves break through and steal. You know, years ago, Bev and I had a fire. And 20 years of living was gone in 12 minutes. It took six minutes to be out of control, and 12 minutes it was over. And 20 years was gone. They don't feel sorry for me. I mean, I used to go downtown, all these people boo-hooing, and they'll hug you, and I'm going, what is wrong with you people? I mean, we go down to Walmart and buy some more heirlooms. That's where we got the first ones. <laughs> they got lots of them. I mean, it's no big deal. We rebuilt the house and all that. One of them Job things, it was bigger and better. It was, it was a good deal, really. You know, we, we, had, we were lucky. We didn't have anybody hurt. Now, there's people that have those kind of things go on, and they're not so fortunate. Things can be replaced, and that's what I always looked at. I've always wondered why somebody will knock the mirror off somebody's car, and they'll shoot each other. My goodness, people, five, $600 buy you a great mirror, and you're shooting each other. You know, it's sheet metal. These kids have wrecks. It just scares us to death. That call comes in, your heart just stops. I'm not worried about that car. That sheet metal can be, it can be straightened out. We'll go get another one. Where's your treasure? You know why somebody's shooting over cars? Because that's where their treasure is. That's where their heart is. You know, a long time ago when Bev and I were dating, I had a job at the cotton mill. And they got in kind of a hard time, and they would shut down. So we only got to work two weeks out of the month. Now, you would think a guy would enjoy being off two weeks out of the month. Problem is, they cut your pay in half. <laughs> and I would bought Bev an engagement ring. And I didn't know how things worked. I could imagine somebody from Zales one day knocking on her daddy's door going, give me that ring. He missed a payment. <laughs> and, you know, I would make sure before I bought food, before I bought, paid the gas bill, before I kept the lights on, any of that stuff, I made sure I made that ring payment. Why would you do that? Well, first of all, I didn't know how it worked. You know, I didn't know you had 10 days. That's the first thing. Yeah. The second thing is, that's where my heart was. She had it. And I was going to take care of her first. I remember buying her things for, for her birthday or Christmas and drive home crying. Because I couldn't afford to buy her better. I can't remember the last time I did that for God. Where's your treasure at? That's where your heart's going to be. You remember when you were dating them guys? You remember ladies? How you were? They had your heart, didn't they? 
That's why none of that stuff was a big sacrifice. You wished you could do more. You ever feel that way toward the Lord? Or is our affections on things on the earth that are very temporary, that can be taken away in just a matter of moments? It can all be gone. Set your affections on things above where they're eternal. James 4 and 4 says that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Now, I know you've got to live in the world. Don't. I know that. Jesus knew that. He said, you've got to live in the world. Just don't be of the world. And I know you've got to pay the light bill, and I know you've got to pay the mortgage, and I know you've got to do all this other stuff. But where's your heart at? Does the world have your heart? Now, when I was 17, there was a guy that come through, and he gave a career day. Bless his little heart. Talking to us bozos about careers. But he was talking about, and he made a statement, which I totally disagreed with. Because he said, what you think about the most is what you will become. I was going to be a girl. <laughs> Guarantee it. 17. That's if you, what you think about the most, what you're going to, I was going to, I knew I was done. I know what he meant with that. Because that's where your heart's at. You're going to put your heart into an occupation or something that you do that you love. And that's really what's going to be with you, even if you don't do it, that you're going to love it and wish you could. Because that's where your heart is. That's where the treasure is. Who's got your, who's got your heart? The world or the Lord? You know, it's always been amazing to me when people tell me money isn't everything. No, but it solved 95% of the problems. <laughs> Wonder why that is. Is your relationship with God based on your financial situation? I know people, you know what a positive attitude is. It's when the other guy's having problems. <laughs> but do I feel down and depressed and dejected further away from God because I'm having financial problems? And I feel good and happy and close to God whenever we got a big one coming in. Kind of a weird religion, isn't it? Isn't it funny that these guys in the scriptures didn't have two nickels to rub together, but they knew their heart was secure with God? Maybe we need to take a look at that, don't we? Where would you rather be? With the Lord or with the world? Like I said, I know you've got to be in the world, but you don't got to be of it. I'm going to look at it a little further here. He says, for you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. You ever thought about that? For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, Craig, I don't want to give away any trade secrets, so forgive me. But when we go and visit with people, we can always tell where we're at by the way they talk. Do you know that? We know whose life is hid with Christ and God and who probably needs to do some things. Let me give you an example. When I sit down and visit somebody and they go, you know what they're doing up at church? You know what they ought to be doing? You know what they're not doing? They ought to be visiting the laws. They ought to be visiting the sick. You know what they say? Why is it they? Because that person doesn't feel like they're part of that. But then I visit with somebody and they say, here's what we're doing at church and here's what we need to be doing. And you know, we need to improve in this. But now it's we. 
You see the difference? How do you know that you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God? Let me give you a hint. How do you know when you're growing in Christ? When what you would really like to do, you don't do, but you do what God told you instead. Had a couple of the deacons come to me the other day and they were upset about something going on. Said, one of them said, you know what I'd really like to say? And my advice was don't say it. Because what you'd really like to say is really not the right thing. Trust me on this one. You're going to give them a piece of your mind that you can't spare. When somebody comes up and slaps you in the face, and instead of leveling them, you turn the other cheek. Now you're growing. When that person cuts you off on the highway and you know that jerk did it deliberately, but you pray for them instead of getting even, now you're growing. Now you're doing what Christ would do instead of what you want to do. Now you can say, not my will, but thy will be done. I was driving along and I saw this car and I knew not to mess with these people <laughs> because they had a bumper sticker that said, I don't get mad, I get even. <laughs> well, that sounds good, but that's really not the way the Lord had it. Have you ever wondered about Matthew 7, 21? Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You ever wondered about that? Now, I know how we've applied it. We apply it to all these other churches out there. There's people not doing the will of God when they worship. God's not going to be happy with that. Okay, that's probably true. There's people that aren't preaching the right plan of salvation, telling people things God didn't tell them to do. You're right, God's probably not going to be happy with that. But you know what Jesus really had in mind? He went on to the next verse and says, tells us a verse or so later, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. Did you hear that? Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. What's he talking about, folks? When he said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Who was he talking to and what was he talking about? This is the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Check it out. If they smite you on one cheek, turn to him the other. If they sue you at the law and take your coat, give them the cloak. If they compel you to go one mile, go twain. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. Lay not up for yourself treasures on the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. Thieves break through and steal, but rather lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. He gave all those teachings about how we're supposed to be. And then he said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Because there are some that are not going to be able to bend their will to his will. Now let me give you a true story. Happened to me personally, so I'm not talking out of school here. You ever done the right thing and felt bad about it? I did. I was probably about 23, 24, weightlifting and all that kind of stuff, you know. Now I realize all that was was hard on the joints. I want to lose weight. I really do, but I'm scared to death. The doctor's going to say you got to exercise. <laughs> I'm surely we can do this with some sort of diet plan, you know. But I was about 23, 24, and there was a fellow came over to the house, and he said, 
you throw another peach limb in my yard, I'm going to thrash you, boy. This guy was about 75. And I'm sitting there thinking, Mr., I hope you know Jesus because you're fixing to get to meet him. <laughs> and, and, I, and he sat there and just told me all the things he's going to do. And I had no idea what he was talking about with that peach limb. First of all, I wouldn't know what a peach limb was compared to a regular limb. <laughs> but he, he was all mad. He was, he was fighting mad. He goes, do you know what a thrashing is, boy? And then he was quiet. At that point, I had to make a decision. Do I just choke the life out of him or I knock the far out of him? I mean, which way would be better? You know what I mean? And that's what I know most of y'all. Y'all thinking like I am. And now I got to thinking, you know what I ought to do? I go, okay. I will go get that limb out of your yard and I won't do something like that again. I'm, I, I won't do that. And he shook my hand and said, you church Christ folks are okay after all. Then he walked off. I had turned the other cheek. I did what the Lord said to do. And I stood there going, you wimp, why didn't you kill him? <laughs> and I felt bad because I did not beat the tar out of that old fella. And I'd done the right thing. You see how strong our human instinct really is? That's who you got to overcome to do the will of the Father. Why do you think Jesus was praying, let this cup pass from me, not my will but thy will be? He had things, he, he, that was not his choice. He did not want to go to that cross. He did not want to go through what they were going to put him through. But he did it anyway because that's what God wanted. And when you're able to do that, you're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God because it's no longer your natural will but it's His will that's living in you. How are you going to become a living epistle? By making the teachings of Jesus part of your life. Now, it's easy today. We're all at church. We're all together. And it's easy to be strong. And it's easy to be a Christian. And it's easy to do the right thing. But what about tomorrow? When you go back to the real world I've enjoyed Craig over the years people say evangelists have it made because they don't have to live in the real world is this virtual <laughs> I don't know what this is yeah preachers live in the real world too you bet we do everybody lives in the real world Paul whenever he was on the island and the people were going to make he said we're men of like passions as are you but when we build our will to his will and we do what he would have us to do rather than what we really want to do, now we're dead and our life is here with Christ and God. How do you know you're growing in Christ? When you're looking for ways to serve instead of ways to be served. When you're going, who do I need to go visit instead of, how come they don't come visit me? Who do I need to pray for? Instead of, why aren't they going to pray for me? When you're worried about others and not self, you're growing in Christ. And I know we're all a work in progress on that. I understand that. You're dead. That old man stayed in the grave and the new creature 
has arisen. How are we going to get this done? How, how's a good way to do this? It's good to say that, but there's got to be a way to do it. Look down about verse number five. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. In which ye also sometimes walked when ye lived in them. Now here's the key. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not to one another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. Listen to verse 10. And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the hymn that created him. Here's what we're going to do, folks. Here's how we're going to, we're going to put off and we're going to put on. He gave you a list, he gave them a list of things to put off. What are the things in your life you really want to change? What do you need to change so that you can be dead and your life hid with Christ and God? You know yourselves. You know your strengths. You know your weaknesses. What changes do you need to make? I'm going to make a suggestion to you. Get you a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle. On one side, put off. On the other side, write, put on. He said lying. I'm going to put off lying. I'm going to put on telling the truth. Now, if you're like me, you might want to do just a few at a time. <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to go through reams of paper and maybe just change a few things at a time and make it easier. What do you need to change? What do you think put off and put on means? Here are the things I need to change. Here are the things I need to do. Bev and I, this year, celebrated 38 years. I've known her for 40 you may not believe it. We have grown kids and grandkids and everything seems to be going very well right now. Obviously, we've overlooked something. It's going too good. But there was a time I was ready to take her home. I thought we'd made a horrible mistake. We'd been married about a year and a half and I couldn't take that no more. She couldn't either. She was on board with this program. You bet. Let's end this. It's horrible. And so she went to a room and I went to a room. And the next day, we were going to end it. And I sat in there and was thinking about it and got to praying about it, and I had a brainstorm. I didn't know about this verse right here at that time. But I went back in there, and I had two Bibles and two concordances. And I said, I'm really not ready to quit. I want to try one more thing. And if it works, then it will be okay. If it don't, we'll call it off. Are you on board? And I could see she was skeptical. She said, okay, what do you want to do? I handed her a Bible and a concordance. I said, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go in that room, and you're going to look up every command of the wife and write it on a piece of paper. Now, you could see her roll her eyes there. I said, stay with me. I'm going to take this concordance and this Bible, and I'm going to go in this room over here, and I'm going to write every command that goes to a husband. And I'm not going to worry about what you're supposed to do anymore. I'm going to start doing what I'm supposed to do. However God said a husband to be, I'm going to start doing it. She thought, hmm, not as dumb as he looks. <laughs> so we did it. So we brought our piece of paper out. It always bothered me that I had 14 commands and she only had 10. Hey, I said I wouldn't worry about it. And I said, now we need to put them where we can see it every day. Well, she didn't have no problem with that. We hung it on the fridge. <laughs> and every day I would read that list. And when we started doing what God told us to do, we put off the old man and we started putting on the new man like a miracle. It changed to where today I can't imagine being without her. 
Because we started putting on the things God would have us to put on. And we started putting off those things that were killing us and destroying our marriage. Thank goodness we didn't have any kids at that time. We needed to work on us before we had kids. And you know, every time from then on we get in trouble, we get them concordance and them Bibles down and go, what does God want us to do? And every time, like a miracle, it straightens out. My brother, I've got a younger brother that is about 11 years younger than me. But there's a brother that I had that about two and a half years younger than me. He's dead now. He got involved with alcohol and drugs real bad. And uh, I remember one time he went to an AA meeting and the old fellow there was very blunt. and got to talking to him about it and my brother kind of giving him the, yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. Finally, this old man looked at him and said, let me tell you something, son. You give what we're doing a chance for 30 days, and if you don't like it, we'll refund your misery. If what you're doing is not working, do it the Lord's way for a while. You can always get your misery back. But I think once you start putting on the things God would have you to do in your life and putting off the things that you're supposed to, like a miracle, those problems are going to solve themselves. And you'll know that you're dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. That's how you're going to get it done. And you may have to do like I do. I have to write it down so that I can remember it and see it. But if you try it God's way, like a miracle, it's going to work. Renewed in knowledge. Let me tell you folks something. It starts right here between the ears. you got to decide that's what you want you got to want to. I have told some of the guys, we talk about counseling with people that have issues. I have a weakness in my game, if you can call it that. In my counseling world, I, I have not been able to figure out how to create want to. I can give people all the advice in the world, but they've got to do it. And creating want to has been the hard part. People want me to tell them how to straighten their life out and fix it, but they don't want to stop what they're doing. That dog won't hunt. you got to put off the things that are killing you and destroying you and put on the things of God and Christ. And it starts right here. Now, my definition of repentance is a change of mind or heart that eventually brings about a change of action. You're not going to be perfect the first time you try it. I'm not going to tell you that Bev and I never messed up again after we did that. We did, but we'd go back to what God wanted us to do. We'd fix it and we'd go back and we'd start over. And eventually, there was a change of action that brought us more in line with what God would want. But it's got to start in the mind. Here's the deal. Jesus stood at the gates of Jerusalem or overlooking Jerusalem one time. And you can hear the sorrow in the master's voice when he said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you under my wing as a hen does her chickens? But you would not. Is there hurting? Is there sorrow? Are there things that are just destroying you? The Lord can change it if you want him to. Are we like Jerusalem? He wanted to gather us up, 
but we wouldn't. What do you really want to do? Your choice as we stand and sing.